Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonnell and I have a very special guest. We have Simon Lovell with us today. Simon, thank you for being on the show. You're very welcome. Simon is the CEO of Fitpreneurs, a global high-performance educator for fitness and health professionals who want to make more money and create more time and freedom. An author, speaker, contributed on Forbes.com, Simon has hung out with the likes of Richard Branson on his private island and has spent time at West End shows with Tony Robbins. He's committed to personal development and personal growth to inspire others to make the best of their lives and grow their businesses through true transformation. Simon's overcome bullying, 50k of debt, gambling and drugs to turn his life around. His company grew from zero to one million dollars in less than 12 months and he will share his wisdom and insights on how you can create massive change in your life as well. So Simon, that's, that's quite a bio to, to kick us off. Um, I thought we would, we'd start with your background if that's okay. So would you be able to share with me and our listeners where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. So thanks for the introduction. Um, I was born in the UK. I'm actually based in San Diego now. And my, uh, my childhood, I, I guess, you know, it's interesting. I've been asked that question a lot. And, you know, at the time, it, it seemed pretty normal. But, you know, looking back, there were so many different things that happened that really shaped my life. And, you know, being a kid, you kind of think that everyone's going through those same kind of things. And, um, you know, I know that bullying is, a lot of people have suffered for that. And I know that a lot of entrepreneurs who end up becoming kind of successful have, you know, suffered from some kind of bullying. And so my early years were fine pretty much up, up until the age of 13. And um, at the age of 13, you know, I, w- I was never kind of picked for sports at school. You know, I was always the kid that wanted to kind of play video games and not really go and run around and play you know, rounders and rugby and soccer and football. Sorry, I keep on saying uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's the move to America. And um, and so at 13 years old, I had just finished playing. um, uh, I was out in the game field and I came back and went into uh, to have a shower and I got ready to have a shower and I walked past uh, one of the popular rugby guys you know one of the the guys that everyone kind of liked and all the girls kind of liked and I kind of brushed past him and in that moment in a split second my life changed because he said that I touched him inappropriately and uh, he basically shouted at the top of his um, voice that you know I touched him and that I was gay and um, from the age of 13 to 16 I was heavily bullied um, and my life was kind of made hell you know just punched and kicked and just you know, secluding myself and, you know, knowing what I know now from the self-development and mindset that I've done, you know, when you're at a key developmental age of, of that kind of age and those kind of things are happening, then that can really start to affect your identity, your own self-worth, what you believe in yourself, you know, and, and that can start to have a, have a long-term impact. And so I really started to seclude myself. I didn't, you know, I didn't start doing, or I didn't continue to do the fun things that I was doing. I kind of just started to shut myself down. And, um, and that's where really I started to take my passion of, you know, working on uh, uh, playing video games. And I decided I wanted to write my own fanzine. So I put that together and started to become an entrepreneur and started to sell magazines at a very early age. At the age of 16, I went and worked um, for a national video games magazines. Um, there was a TV show called Games World, which is on the TV, and I worked for that magazine. And, uh, and then that started my publishing career. 
Um, and yeah, so that was, those were my early days. I know there's a, a longer story after that, but yeah, it was, uh, the, the early days were, were tough, but in, in learning what I know now, when it comes to personal growth, you know, that pain that we have really does help catapult us into some different areas. There's a, there's a phrase, which is those that have been pained the most end up doing the biggest things. And, and I'm a firm believer in that. Right. So it, it's something that, that I can relate to myself, Simon, because most like yourself, you know, when, when you're in high school, when you're in that situation, it's, it's very much um, a palpable tension, I guess, amongst, amongst the students. And it doesn't really take much. I mean, it doesn't take much to be, to be alienated or, or bullied or, or just be, just be, you know, it's almost like we are convinced that we are too different which kind of warrants a lot of the, the negativity in their minds, right? So when I was around the same age to you, I was also bullied as well. This is why I, I can kind of relate to, to those sorts of things. And it doesn't really take much, does it? It's, it's just them trying to almost exaggerate the importance of certain things and, and try to, to make yourself feel bad, to make themselves feel good, which is obviously something that we know from, from getting to the other side of that. So... How, how did you get to the other side of it? So as someone that's had quite a similar experience to yourself, how, how did you get to the other side? So it became a point, you know, probably around the age of 15 um, that I decided that I was going to fight back at the bullies. And I think we all kind of reached that tipping point of kind of enough is enough. And so mm. I started to look into martial arts classes. You know, that's something I wanted to do was, was learn a martial art. And so I... I plucked up courage and I went up to um, a local martial arts studio when I was in Exeter in the UK and I found myself a, a tutor and, you know, he kind of took me under his wing and he kind of saw that I was lacking in confidence and he kind of, you know, took me from the martial arts class into the gym and then got me, um, you know, um, you know, eating more healthy and reading books and, and that started to build up my confidence, you know, and, um, and, you know, that was a big game changer. And we talk about mentors and we talk about, you know, key influences. And so Tim, you know, he was a very early mentor in my, in my, uh, in my upbringing. And I think that's really key. You know, um, there's a lot of amazing people out there. And once you can find a good mentor or coach that can really guide you, you know, it's, you know, and definitely in my experience with, with mentors, you know, it's not necessarily what they say but it's also like the energetical exchange that you have with that person. So if someone exudes confidence, then be, by being around them, you're going to pick up confidence. And so if we look at uh, personal development, we look at personal growth and self-worth, a lot of it is so important to have the right kind of people around you to guide you, to push you to that next level, not just st strategically, because here's the thing, if you had the strategy, then, you know, that strategy won't work if you don't have the self-belief to implement it. So for me, being around not just the right strategic mentors but those mentors who exuded something that i wanted to step into myself ah, okay so was there a, a particular a way that you found these mentors was it just a, the person that you you vibe with the most or did they have the experience that you wanted how, how did you go about that that process well, I've had multiple mentors throughout my career. So the early one, Tim, being someone that kind of just spotted me and said, hey, I want to help you. And so that can often happen when you're young. In my later years, you know, um, it was more strategic kind of like, you know, based on referral and yeah, who I saw, you know, got results. Um, 
And then, you know, it's a question of just continuing to reinvest and reinvest in more and more people that are already ahead of you. You know, there's that common phrase, you know, if you're the, the most clever person in the room, you need to find a new room. And so I think that, you know, catapulting success um, comes from, you know, finding the right people, going to, you know, whether it's an event, you know, many of the mentors I've hired have, have come from referrals or people who I've met at different events that I've gone to. And so, you know, um, there's, there's multiple ways to do it. You know, oftentimes you'll hear them on a podcast or you'll just, you know, jive with their message and, and what, they, what they stand for. But it's really important to find out like where, what path they've gone on and is that a path that you want to follow? So when it comes to finding that kind of right person to guide you, it's like, do they have the life that I want? You know, do they, do, are they where I want to be? Because there's plenty of people out there that, that, that say that they can do certain things, but they don't have the results to speak, to do it themselves. And so they're, they're not, they're, they're incongruent with what they're doing. So I think that's an important part of it too. Hmm. How, how would you think that relates to ma- making the decision to either go down the, the mentor road or the coach road? Because there is, there is a slight distinction between the, the mm. two services, so to speak. So how would, you, how would you make the distinction between deciding to go down the mentor road or the coach road? Um, that's a good question. I've always gone down the, the, the mentor road, but I think coaching is definitely, definitely good. I think coaching is, is definitely a, a profession and there's definitely a skill in it. But I think the benefit of having a mentor is, is that they're gonna, you know, I, I like to help people more with, you know, what's going on with them personally. And I can just have those honest conversations around my life and my journey. And that's a good mental relationship that you have. And so coaching is a whole different ball game. You know, we have coaching at Fitpreneurs and I'm obviously like the mentor that, that, that goes above the umbrella of the business. So um, I, think you, I think you've got to try different things and see what fits, you know, because you could have a coach that you don't drive with and the mentor would be, would be better for you. So um, it's a good, it's a really good question. And I think that the answer to that is you need to, you know, to, to, to see how it fits and, and, you know, just go and look at, again, the results that they've got and is that somewhere that you want to be yourself? I guess there's, there's pros and cons to, to both. And uh, as you say, you've got, to, you've got to figure out what's, what's best for you. I mean, did, did, you, did you have any, any inklings yourself as to, okay, a mentor is going to be best for me? Or was it just a case of it, it worked? they got the results that you wanted and you decided to, to stick with them. And so what was your, it was all about the process like? It was all about the results. I wasn't even thinking, was it, is it a mentor or a coach? I was just looking at the results that they got and I was going, I want that too, Hmm. you know? So, you know, are they specific to the industry that you're in? You know, what journey are they on? You know, for example, me right now, you know, you know, I'm on a big spiritual journey and I, you know, I have a, you know, a multi-million dollar company. I, you know, but also I'm not for everyone because I'm very like straight to the point and no BS and some people can't handle that. So, um, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at, you know, the business that someone has, if it's a business coach and also, you know, maybe it's just on the personal side of things and you need someone who's, who kind of has that confidence and has that journey. The thing is, if you can't relate to the person that you're working with, you're not going to trust them you know, and you need to be able to receive what someone's saying and then take an act, take action on it because it's the most painful thing for someone working with someone who you give them the tools, but they don't take action. So again, it's, it's about trust. 
Right, so do you, would you say that that plays a part in terms of trusting and then this idea of believing in the, the action enough to take action? I mean, how, how do you see trust playing a part in making a difference between action and, and not taking action? Well, because if you don't trust someone and you don't, you don't kind of believe what they're saying, then of course you're not going to follow through on that. And also that, that, that coach or mentor needs to be able to create an energy within you that gets you to move. So if I look at the people who, who I've helped, you know, go from zero to 10 K in a month or, you know, have big growth in their business or personal life where they've reconnected with family members, you know, you look at trans, the word transformation. We have to bear in mind, like transformation comes in different forms. It's not necessarily business. It's not, you know, it can be business or it can be a personal transformation transformation that facilitates the business growth because if you if you've got energetic blocks happening personally then that's going to affect your business so in terms of trust it's a huge um, uh, avenue to, to action and results because you have to resonate and believe what someone's saying and they need to exude that you can do it too so, you know, sometimes I'll shake someone up and I'll say something which is inappropriate. But the reason I'm doing that is not to be, frankly, a dick. It's to get them to create such an energy that gets them to move because they've been living in a place of non-action. And oftentimes we live in non-action because we don't believe in ourselves and we need someone else to kind of edge us over the, you know, the cliff so that when we're, we're falling down a cliff, we can start to, to, to create the wings on the way down, you know? So I think that's really key. Ah, so it's, it's almost like you've got to put yourself in the, the right state to actually take the action in the first place. Otherwise, you know, not, not much strategy will make much of a difference. Do you think this has anything to do with the idea of people trying to, to read all the time and go on courses all the time, but then not actually taking any action with it? Yeah, because what's happening is, is, and I used to be like that too. I would used to do courses. You bring up a good topic. I used to do courses. I used to read books. I used to just, you know, gather all of the information, but I wasn't, I wasn't taking action on it. And so, you know, it's just like this OCD loop, right? It's like you read a book, you feel good, you get a stimulant from it. And then it's like, oh, like I got my hit, but mm-hmm. then I go back into just learning again. And I think that the difference between anyone who's super successful is that they've got into the habit of taking action because they don't let resistance or fear hold them back. The reason why most people don't take action is because some kind of fear, there's some kind of block that's stopping them because they don't believe in themselves. And oftentimes, of course, we look at the two biggest fears. The first one is the fear of failure. And the second one is the fear of success, the fear of failure of what if I screw this up and people start to say negative things about me, for example, or what if I'm successful and then I'll be alienated by uh, other people, but it's all subconscious. And so we've got to start to reprogram and create a different identity. Every thought that we have creates a belief system and that belief system then shapes the identity on who we are. So if we don't create an identity shift, then we're always just going to be consuming and we're not going to be doing, you know, look at, you know, you look at um, um, the keys to, the keys to, um, to result come in a few different forms. You've got information and knowledge, i.e., okay, I, I watched something on YouTube and I got the knowledge for it, great. But then you have to have some level of accountability, i.e., go do this. You know? So if we're, if we're coaching someone in one of my programs or I'm doing one-to-one mentorship, then you don't know what you don't know. So I've got to create new information and knowledge. Okay? But then there's, okay, go do this. Okay, so for example, I want you to go and do 100 videos in 100 days. But what if they don't do that? 
the third part, which most people don't understand, is there need to there needs to be consequences. There needs to be a consequence if they don't do it. So the key to transformation of yes, it's partly of course personal development, personal growth, and making sure that you've got you know you don't have any personal drains going on and you don't have other people zapping your energy. But then it's this combination of information, accountability, and consequence. And once you blend those things together, a good coach is always going to coach your, or a good mentor is always going to coach your higher self, the person that you want to be. So when someone comes to me or my company and they say, hey, listen, this is where I want to be. This is the income I want to be making. This is the lifeline I want to have. Then what we need to do is we need to coach the higher self and not tolerate the BS excuses that come uh, beneath that. Mm. I like the way that you you mentioned the the two biggest fears in terms of failure and success. I mean, how how would you distinguish between those two in terms of how how they actually show up for people? Because obviously, it might. I mean, obviously, I, I'm not as as attuned to this sort of thing as yourself, Simon. But I would imagine that there are there are inter interlocking things that mean that you might think it's fear of failure but then it's actually fear of success it's actually showing up instead is there a way of distinguishing between the two i think it's different for everyone again a good question i i think that fear of failure shows up for most people but they under need need, people just need to think about it differently in terms of you know uh, I like to I like to reframe it to my clients as like I enjoy failing because it's going to give me data, it's going to give me information, and so um, it really does depend on the person in terms of you know, and you have to go through a series of questions to find out this for for a lot of people. But and in fact, a lot of people can have both. A lot of people can have a combination. You know, they're fearing failure and they're feeling fearing success together. Um, but again, it's 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 about reframing failure it's about reframing success it's about actually questioning the thoughts that are coming up of you know what if you are successful what if you do make a hundred you know um a hundred thousand a year or, or you you know you make a million you know if i look at when i was making you know 10 grand a month versus 100 grand a month then it was all around the belief system and my self-worth that i had around that at the time um, and it's amazing what can happen once you start to shift those things. Now, a big topic here, which falls under the category of fear of failure and fear of success is beliefs around money, because um, beliefs around money are a lot of the time installed by parents. It's just, um, you know, um, going back generations. And oftentimes it's a case of, well, you know, if I make all this money, then, you know, that's bad and money is bad. And if I do this then people are going to think I'm X, you know, so uh, first of all, we have to address um, you know, beliefs around money. You know, one of the things that we do at Fitpreneurs is, you know, we have a whole seven day onboarding for mindset of a new client or any new client that comes on board has to go through a seven day mindset process. But also we've now built in like a wealth training. Why? Because, you know, here's something that happens. Even if, even if you do catapult your income and start to make more money, what happens is, is that if you don't have a belief system change and an identity shift around money, then what will happen is you'll make money, but then you'll sabotage it. Right. So you're going back to the old pattern. So anyone can make a quick hit in money, but it's whether you keep it, it's whether you, it's what you do with it, because oftentimes people revert back to their normal patterns. This is why you'll find that lottery winners, um, you know, they, they have all of this money, but then they go back to being broke again. It's because, you know, there's a lack of education and financial intelligence, lack of understanding of investing, and then people just revert to their normal behavior again. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 something that 
that I definitely relate to as well because when you mentioned that sometimes people can have fear of failure and then fear of success at the same time it's something that that I had because when I was at the the level of inaction it was mostly failure that, that, that tended to show up for me but then as I started to take action and started to get results I was almost afraid of the results like what what do the results mean do they mean I might lose friends do they mean that people people might be judging me negatively when I start actually achieving things so I can definitely I, I can definitely uh, agree and echo with you there Simon that it is about it's not just one thing I think tends to be the the overarching theme is that it's never just one thing. You can never really pin it down to to one thing. And I like the way that you you mentioned the um, beliefs around money as well. You know, if if you think money is bad, then nine times out of ten, as you said, you'll you tend to sabotage the the actions that you've you've taken. Are there any other any, any other things that you noticed that were were holding you back in the in the initial stages of getting your business running? I mean, now it's you're at the kind of multi-million mark now but what was it like in terms of in terms of starting and then get into the the, the idea of, of 10k a month is something that you um yeah you, you mentioned 10k a month before so would you be able to run through what what was stopping you getting to that point yeah i know it's a big goal for a lot of people you know i, lo- I know a lot of people sit around that four or five or six or seven and it's just like they can't break through and the 10k a month is such a big landmark um, and it's about a thermostat. It's about an in, in, internal thermostat of and what you're manifesting and what you're, um, what you're believing about yourself. Because if you don't believe that you can do 10,000 a month, like subconsciously, not consciously, you might think in your head, like, no, I can do that. But subconsciously, it's not happening. So you're not aligned with it. And that's the problem. Here's a couple of things which I think are really important, which is, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to that, that figure, particularly for me, there was a couple of things. One thing, intensity of desire in Think and Grow Rich, you know, he talks about this, which is if, if you don't have that real drive and you say you want it, but really you don't, then you're not going to go towards it. So you've got to have, and everyone, you know, everyone's used this phrase, you know, everyone knows about Simon Sinek's book, why, but it's so important. Like, like I, I had a massive intensity of desire. I said to myself, you know, I'm going to work harder than most people are ever going to work to get where most people will never have be so that I have the level of freedom that most people will never have. And it was a commitment. And so we, the commitment issue comes up the other thing which is absolutely critical and everyone should listen and should this should write this down both of these intensity of desire which is this worrying what other, other people think that is what i notice as much as fear of failure is the fear of what other people think subconsciously holds most people back oh if i go and post this what are people going to think if i write this book well, you know what are people going to think about it you know i'm worrying about other people and so that was a big thing for me you know and i had a jump of you know, I went from 60,000 a month to 100,000 a month in the space of one month, and it didn't come from a different strategy. It, it just came from a different mindset. And when people fully comprehend that it's their mind that's actually holding them back from hitting the bigger numbers, then everything starts to shift. The problem and challenge with so many people is that those, with, those that need help on mindset don't typically recognize that mindset is the problem. And that's when you need to have a wake-up call and actually go, listen... You know, if I look at, you know, if I read any, any book when it comes to neuroscience or, you know, when I look at any super successful person that's interviewed billionaires, what you'll notice and, you know, you'll notice the themes around super successful people is most of them meditate. 
you know, most of them have like strong mauling practices. Most of them have a circle of influence that is empowering and doesn't drag them down. Most of them have, you know, a mentor or coach. Like there's certain success principles that have led people to become more successful. You don't just like come out of, you know, you don't just get, you know, you don't, uh, you're not just given birth to and suddenly, you know, you've got, um, you know, most people who have got like a million in the bank and all of the knowledge, like that has been acquired. And yes, everyone's got a different upbringing. Um, but the thing about me was, you know, I was bullied. I didn't, I had 50 grand of debt. I had, you know, all of these things going against me. But despite those odds, despite everything going against me, I still managed to become a catalyst of change and I, I still managed to push through. And that's so where it's so important, where people seem to think that, you know, you know, I can't do that. Or, well, so-and-so has this ability. Well, you have the ability to learn. You have the ability, if you can't read, to listen. Like, it's all a list of excuses. And so one of the things I encourage a lot of people to do is just make an honest, you know, have an honest assessment, especially at this time of year, have an honest assessment and list out all of the excuses that are holding you back. And here's a challenge. Most people can't have that honest conversation. Most people can't sit in silence for 15 minutes because they're worried about the thoughts and they don't have the discipline. Success and, and fulfillment takes work and it takes discipline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, when I've, had, I've, I've had conversations with a, a lot of people and to, to be honest, I've been quite surprised with how, how popular mindset comes up and what I've started to, to try to to, to almost explain or as you say give people the wake-up call is yes my mindset does play a part it is there but because the strategies are so easy to access the mindset's the thing that makes a difference as you say it's the thing that, that tips the balance in in your favor and what I've actually started to, to actually try to get people to understand is the mindset could be why they got there in the first place as you say, you know, you were you were bullied much like myself, and it's it's just having the the inner strength to keep going that made the difference, and ultimately makes us more more likely to succeed. Obviously, there's always that the element of there's only so much you can do before we just got to to see if it does actually work out. You know, I mean, there's there's that there's that element of of constantly moving forwards and and constantly changing and adapting the strategies and things to suit you and you mentioned mindset as well i mean it's amazing how many people as, as you say can't sit in silence for 15 minutes i'm sure you probably meditate for a lot longer than that simon well i just came back from a 10-day uh silent meditation retreat where i did 100 hours of meditation in 10 days so right wow was, uh, when you do that and when you have when you go through that discipline then doing half an hour or an hour is is nothing so again, it's like, it's, you know, you've got to be stretched, you know, and that's about, you know, again, mentorship, you know, coaching, um, you know, being around different people. It's, you've got to get the stretch going on. You know, you look at the fitness industry, you know, and that's a, a niche that I work in um, with helping business owners, you know, grow their, their fitness businesses. But there's so much emphasis on lifting weights to, to get improved performance. But, but where's the emphasis on the mind, you know? So once people, you, you only get mindset once you've had a shift and you're like, holy crap, like this has really changed my life. And then you mm. get hooked on it because you know the impact. Yeah. The truth is, is it, you can't, you can't get to the place that you want to get to with the mind that got to you to where you are. That's the truth. 
you know? And I think that that's, um, you know, a key realization I had as I struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled for years and just couldn't work things out. And then suddenly when I hired uh, a mentor, then everything started to just massively change in such a short period of time, you know, so, you know, and I, I just wasted years and years and years. And so there's this, there's this important concept that we have to bear in mind of, you know, trying to figure something out on your own versus actually just investing in yourself and actually going and finding other people that have already been there to shortcut the process, you know? And so, you know, to, to, to hire those people, it's not going to be cheap, right? But you have to look at the cost of it over the length of try, time that you're trying to figure it out on your own. And that's, that's the philosophy that I always had after I started hiring mentors was that I'm just going to keep on reinvesting, you know, a good portion of what I'm making back into more mentors. And, you know, I made this commitment very early on, actually, to reinvest 20% of what I made back into me, you know, so I would, I hired Tony Robbins in his platinum program, and I traveled the world, and I went to India, and I went to do uh, ayahuasca in Peru, and I do stuff that normally people would be skeptical about, and it's the expansion, it's the expansion of yourself into other areas that most people won't do that will give you the biggest growth. When you're only focused on the area of expertise or the area of, you know, books, for example, that you're just, you like, you never get to benefit from the other areas of the stuff that you've not explored, which, so you need to widen your vision. The moment you widen your vision, you start to widen the, 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 the scope of, of growth that you have, not just in one area, but in all areas, because truth is success is not just a, a one lane, you know, kind of trick. It's, it's about having multiple lanes. And so you expand yourself personally and therefore your business expands. And when you look into other areas of business, not just your own niche, your existing niche will expand. So it's about having the, the understanding that you've got to, you've got to like, kind of like, I wouldn't say skepticism is just the word, but almost just kind of be fully open and not closed off is really, really important. And then also another thing, which is just using your intuition. The problem I think a lot of people have is, is that it, they don't spend time in quiet and they have so much noise and they don't know the difference and they, don't, they can't recognize the difference between what is guiding them intuitively versus what like the head brain is saying, which is, of course, which is wired for survival. It, it's saying like, don't do this. Nothing's going to work. It must be a scam. And all of these are just thoughts. When you're guided by what feels right to you and what feels light instead of what feels heavy, that way you're guided by your inner guidance system and not shut down by your head brain. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that, that, that I would completely agree with. I mean, it's, it's something that I've experienced myself. I mean, when, when I started hiring people to help me, it's, it's like the, the mindset came afterwards, which I thought was a little bit strange, you know, like when, when you first hire your, your first mentor or your first coach and you realize how good they are and how much better they are than you trying to do things by yourself. It's like the, the head shifts when, when the experience takes place. And when you mentioned moving, moving to different areas and, and being quite open and following your, your own sort of thoughts and feelings about things, it just adds to the, just adds to the message of you've just got to, you've got to try and allow yourself to put yourself in that, in that right state. It's kind of the message that, that I'm getting from everything that you've said, you know, you've got to put yourself in the right place to then take 
the actions that you want to take. But how, how would you go about having a conversation with someone, Simon, that, as you say, might be sceptical? They might be in that place where they want to take the actions and you're, you're trying to allow them to at least try to understand that maybe it is the mindset that they need to shift first, but they're having a hard time, having a hard time being convinced of that. Yeah, it's not going to work. Honestly, it's not the right time for that person. If, if someone comes to me and they're skeptical, then I'm not even going to move forward and waste my time on the conversation. Mm. Um, it, they're just, it, you, it's very hard to work around that and try and persuade someone like you know, there's so many barriers up, you know, it's like trying to go on a, you know, trying to be in a relationship with someone that's been hurt so much and they just, they don't want to let their guard drop. You know, it's just always going to be an uphill struggle. So um, there's, there's a big difference between someone who's um, skeptical and someone who's had a bad experience but is still open to possibility. There's a big difference between the two. Mm. How, how, how would you suggest someone at least start to become more open? So if someone mm. is like, I find that it's, it's holding me back. I find that having all these barriers and having all of this this idea of it's just not going to work i just need x y and z mm. and it'll all it'll all be sunshine and rainbows again how, how, how would you suggest people actually be start to start to become more open about other possibilities well being more open comes from changing what you think and changing what you think comes from being in the right place and so the question is how do you get in the right place mm. so you know, if, if I kind of work backwards. So, you know, you've got, again, meditation is a great place because what that's going to do is it's going to center you and calm you. And I actually just did a post before I came on this, which was, you know, when you're in a grounded place, you take different actions. And so, you know, um, I always, you know, start my day non-negotiable with meditation because the actions, the conversations, the things that I do, the, the people I meet are going to come from a different place because I'm thinking differently. So if you want to become more open and you want to become more, more critically self-aware, which is the biggest catalyst to change that I've noticed in my life, which has helped me, you know, with um, giving up alcohol and drugs and, and all the destructive things I had in my life, then I would say meditation is the, is the most important place to start. The challenge with meditation, I think, is, is that this, the, the pure definition of the word people have got a lot of perceptions around, which again is about, being open so it's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit um so yeah i would start there because when you're relaxed and you're in your center and you don't have the chatter brain or they call it the chimp the chimp mind active or the ego active then you can start to feel your way through life and start to be more open and be like oh i could actually see that from a different perspective another thing too which you just got to get honest with is and bringing that topic up which is you can't have like you gotta can't have a one track mind. What do I mean by that? You, you can't believe that your way is the only way. You gotta see things from perceptual positions, which are your position, a third person's position, and then another person's position. Right. So if you're always, you know, fighting against someone, most likely chances are is because you you just want to win that because you think you're right. You know, so you've got to be able to just like sit back and go like, I can see that from that person's perspective. And when you can look at things from multiple perspectives, your whole life starts to open. Uh, so, it's all, so it's almost like going back to what you said before of looking 
elsewhere for certain things that you can bring in it's almost like you can look from from different angles you know to try and see things from from their perspective it can help benefit yourself i mean how how would you think about that no i think it's totally right you know it's uh you know wayne dyer has a you know the late wayne dyer had a book called you know when you change or had a phrase sorry which was when you change the way that you look at things the things that you look at change and I, I really love that quote because, you know, it's had such a big effect because it, it, it opens up so many doors into different areas. So it's absolutely critical to, to look at things from multiple angles. All right. Do you have any, any certain ways that you could maybe guide people to do that? I mean, the, the, the instant thought for me, something that, that I try to do as often as I can now is try to see if, if the person that I'm talking to could see it in a different way. So it could be, I ask myself the question, you know, how, how, are, how are they seeing it that could be different from how I see it? So I like to try, particularly in, in conversations, if I think maybe there's, there's something a little bit off in terms of like maybe our, our, our definitions of certain things might not quite be the same or just the way they, they start to see certain things and certain perspectives how how would you help people change their perspectives very easily by understanding that everyone's going through their own journey and so you may encounter someone today you know for example i came onto this this interview grounded because i meditated you know probably half an hour ago for a good 20 minutes or half an hour now i may have delivered different information on the interview had i just come out of an argument you know so what we need to what we need to and that's also very important if you're coaching or mentoring which is putting yourself in the right space to guide people because if you're guiding someone from a stressed place that's not uh you know the best uh outcome for the client so it's it's about understanding that when you're in a conversation with someone and maybe they're uptight or you feel a bit of negative energy and they say something which is snappy to try and remember, and this is challenging, even for me, you know, sometimes when, you, when you're not self-aware, because self-aware is the key, which is what, what is this person going through? You know, what is, what is this person's story? Because oftentimes when we don't know someone's story and we don't know what they've been through in the past 24 hours or in their life, then it's easy to make a judgment, you know? And one of the things I teach a lot, which is, you know, when you're judging someone or when, when you're feeling judged by someone, it's really you judging them. And so if this is just a being, I think it's just been about humble and about having more, um, you know, being more self, you've got to be more self-aware of yourself to, to have those types of thoughts. So it's very difficult to not react and be in reaction to someone when you're not grounded yourself. If you're grounded, then through meditation or through a practice regularly, then it enables you to stop yourself from reacting. And of course, we, you know, we all know what happens when people and ego matches. It, it's, it's a shit show. So, um, you know, I think it's very important to understand where, where someone else is coming from at that time. Right. So what, what one of the things that, that sprung to my mind before um, that I, I think I bring up now is the idea of of having different words that mean different things. So sometimes when people say meditation, everyone might have a different different definition or a different way that that looks. I mean, for for me, 
um, it's about it's almost like having a, a loss of, of control over my thoughts and feelings and then bringing it back again for me that's that's the process it's this it's, a, it's almost like the awareness to to be able to, to feel yourself lose that, that influence over your thoughts and feelings and then slowly bringing it back again over a certain amount of time. For me, that's, that's kind of like the, the repetition, if you will. So when you, mm. when you mentioned before about, um, oh, what was it? Yeah, the, the, the fact that you, you work with, with people that run their own fitness businesses, like the, the, more, the more likely to do the reps in the gym than they are doing the reps away from the gym it's kind of the same with the meditation is like people tend to to get bored after the first couple of reps of doing that that kind of loss of influence and then gaining influence again um that's that that tends to be how i how i tend to see it um obviously people have different different ways that that would look so when someone's when someone else might think of meditation they they might think of sitting cross-legged on on top of a i don't know a, a just, just, just try and picture the yeah just try and picture the the most out there image in your head that you can you know on top of a mountain or some kind of lotus flower trying to float on the the sea or whatever the case is so, right. so people can have that can't they well yeah and, and i think if you look at any kind of ego-based person then what that's going to be is it's not going to be for example masculine to do that and so why would someone do it and so they don't get the benefits from it you know maybe it's seen as feminine or maybe it's seen as weak to do that or maybe it's seen as oh i'm not going to do that i'm going to look like a blank Mm. so um that's where the problem lies right because you don't you don't get the benefit from that way so when you're in a certain type of mindset you're not going to benefit from it when you're more open you start to uh to be able to 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 reap the rewards so yeah i think it's really important yeah i mean from from everything that you've said it seems i mean i think we are in in quite a lot of agreement with with a lot of things and i just want to perhaps perhaps join the dots a little bit i mean you probably correct me if i'm wrong i guess but the 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 mindset tends to happen before action and then after action it it tends to it tends to be a lot stronger because you've had that change of experience but then as you mentioned before is that you can't have that conversation with someone that isn't open in the first place or at least in in the initial stages enough to try it then benefit from it so i mean my my sort of knee-jerk reaction is well maybe it's just a case of of allowing them to try it with their judgments or assumptions in in mind and then seeing what what happens for them afterwards i mean how it, it, it's hard to, to to encourage everyone to do certain things because you know just, just trying to pitch people on that mm. mountain and on that lotus flower does stop people from from benefiting from it doesn't it yeah, I think it's how the education is given to it. You know, so for example, you know, when someone comes into one of our programs, they probably don't think that they're going to be meditating or working on, uh, you know, some of the things that they're working on because maybe they've invested in making 10K a month. But then in the process of what they're asked to do and guided to do, they're all automatically put into a situation where they're needing to do these things. So I think also there's that. There's, there's, um, you know, some people are ready to do it themselves and they hit a rock bottom and then suddenly they go seeking for something that, that, you know, is, uh, you know, includes some kind of meditation practice or, or, you know, mindset work, but also it's, it's, again, it's around like education around it so that people, 
people can hear it. And also another thing too, is if you look at your own personal habits and also mine, then it's probably, you need to hear, hear it multiple times, right? It's like for, for me, I know that if I, you know, I hear about a movie once, maybe I, I probably won't go see it. But if I hear about it two or three times, I'm probably going to go. So it's like how many different, it's, it's not about also, it's not about just the angles and the amount of angles that you hear it from. It's who you heard it from and whether you respect those people. Ah, right. So, uh, so it does, it does play a part then in terms of like, where does the information come from? How many right. times have you heard it? How is it phrased? Right. Cause you could, you could hear the same thing phrased in five different ways and you might, you might actually resonate with just one of those things, but you've had to hear it five times in five different ways. So it, yeah. It, it, yeah, it does, it, it does tend to, to, I mean, it purely an observation Simon, but it seems to contradict the, the information versus taking action side of things we were talking about before. It's almost like they need, they need exposure to a certain amount of information in order to take action in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I think also we have to bear in mind, I think it's, you know, it's different for everyone because everyone's mm. on a different path and everyone's, everyone's on a different journey. You know, for me, when I had my growth, like the time was right, you know, me giving up alcohol recently, the time was right. You know, often people say, well, how hard was it to give up? And I say, well, it wasn't because it just happened at the right time. So yeah. everyone's like, you know, it, there's that whole phrase again around, you know, that when the, when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So, you know, it's also about not, trying to push people but also just giving out information and knowledge and when people are ready then they'll then you know they'll be ready or they won't so you know i'm, I'm more of a firm believer in that more recently than than previously for sure all right yeah so it's it seems like we are we are almost at, at the end i mean we've covered quite a lot actually in, in quite a short amount of time i could mean you you were definitely playing the part of no BS and being straight to the point there, Simon. So I'm sure I'm sure our listeners could appreciate you for that. Um, is, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? So uh, we are near the end. So I want to make sure that we that we cover as many bases as we can. So is there any part in guidance, part in advice, part in information that you would wish to to get across? Yeah, I mean, if if you're listening to this, then you obviously want to grow and you want to get to the next level. And so I would encourage you to um, not just listen to the words and the information, but also like, what are the action steps you're going to take from this episode? You know, another thing is too, okay, you know, well, now maybe I've got some motivation and I want to have a goal. Like, what is your specific goal? And then write down the, the, the steps that you're going to need to put in place to get there and ask yourself, am I fully committed to this? Because otherwise you're always going to go around in a cycle of, of deciding that you want to do something and then not following through. And so the issue is not what you want. It's the fact that you're not following through. And so why you're not following through. And that normally comes from a discipline or a limiting belief or something that needs to be worked out and edged out and, and pulled out and questioned personally. You know, it's like, why is that sabotage going on? Why do I keep on looking to get to this level, but I'm not actually getting there. What's like, you got to start to ask quality questions and it's really the questions that you ask yourself, which are going to propel you. And so for me, you know, if I listen to a podcast or I read a book or I go through a training or whatever, I'm making a list of action steps, which I then move forward on and it gets scheduled in my calendar. So maybe you've listened to this, listened to this episode and you've gone, you know what? That was really useful for me. Great. What's the action step? Okay great. What action step? Let's put it on the calendar right now and commit to it. And then notice if you don't follow through on it, that's the challenge. Why did I not follow through? And then ask the question from that place. 
Right, Simon. Well, we are, I think we've only got maybe one or two more questions left. So before we, we get to that, do you have any particular, if, if someone wanted to, to find out more about you and, and what you've got going on, um, that now is your chance to share websites and, and social media and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so you can head to fitpreneurs.com, F-I-T-P-R-N-E-U-R-S, so like entrepreneur with fit at the start, so fitpreneurs.com. Also, you can head to simonlovell.com. Uh, also, just on Facebook is the best and fastest way to contact me. All right, Simon. Thanks for, for being a guest. One, one, one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is um, a little bit of a, I guess you could call it a curveball. Um, but I've, I've, I've had answers ranging from funny to, to serious. So, so feel free <laughs> to be as, as outlandish as you want. And uh, the last question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Um, that it takes a little bit of time to get to know me before finding out what my true core is. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to be a guest. I know, I know how busy you can be. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for being a guest. You're welcome, Michael. Thank you.